11 today. Um, we're going to continue our series on the story of hope. If you've been with us, you've um, remember that we started that on Easter, and we talked about how um, the resurrection really changed everything for us. And this morning, we are going to continue with that on the story of hope only through Jesus. Um, is the title of the message today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with us. Last week we talked on the full assurance of hope and what comes after salvation and what is the benefit of salvation. And so this morning we're going to look at more into what salvation and what it does for us, um, not just in this world, but even in eternity, what that would look like for us. And so uh, hopefully it's an encouragement to you today. And we're going to be talking a lot about transformation and what transformation looks like in an individual. And I believe that this is going to really help us change our perspective, maybe on some things that maybe we're currently going through. And uh, if you have ever you know, looked at transformation and how something can truly be transformed, there are certain things that can be transformed, but there are also certain things that also cannot be transformed. For example, if you're like me and you like pizza, um, it is a wonderful idea to get involved in youth ministry because pizza is what I just get for the teens and the teens eat it. So I'm like, hey, uh, it's the best of both worlds there. So um, that's not the only reason I joined youth ministry. So don't, please don't take my words out of context there. But no, it's a, it's a wonderful thing, right? You, you, you eat it and even though it probably isn't the most healthy thing in the world, how many know, no matter how hard you pray, that is not going to change into broccoli on the way down. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be pizza on the way down. And so, um, you know, there are a lot of different things that can't be transformed. But, all, but there are certain things, especially with our spiritual life, that God can truly transform in our life. And he can transform our very heart into becoming what the Bible says a new creation in Christ. And so that's where we're going to be headed today. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can look at it with me in Romans chapter 5. And we're going to just jump right into this in verse 1. And it talks about um, the, only through Jesus, because there are, there's a reason why I'm calling it this. And we'll, we'll look at it um, in just a moment. But seven times in this set of verses that we're going to be reading, talks about it uses the word through. And each time it's using the word through, you will see that it's talking about Christ. That only through Jesus, only through Him, only through our Lord, that these things take place because it's an important principle uh, for us that we'll be talking about. So only through Jesus, the first point is this, only through Jesus can there be peace and hope. Only through Jesus can there be peace and hope. And this is what it says. We're going to take this verse by verse, especially within this uh, first part here. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, he's talking about what happened in chapter four about being justified through faith. He uses a story of Abraham to talk about how he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And so he's talking about that last chapter and now he's in this. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in this first point that we're going to be talking about, there are some sub points here that I kind of want to bring out of this text. And the first sub point is talking about having this peace in Christ. There's a peace that only through Christ you can receive. In other words, what we have on this earth is a, a lot of times what we experience in our life, non-believers and believers will have this sense or this feeling of unsatisfaction. You have this unsatisfaction 
And it depends on where you go to to find that satisfaction. And if you go to anything on this planet, you will always feel unsatisfied even if you obtain those things. And what Apostle Paul is saying here is that the only way you truly are going to be satisfied is through Jesus Christ. And what we will do, non-believers and believers, what we will do is we will look at usually four different things. The first thing that we're going to look at is we're going to look to ourselves to satisfy. That we are going to try to change who we are. We're going to try to even change our appearance. We're going to try to do everything that we need to do to make us feel better about ourselves so that when we look in the mirror, we can be more proud of ourselves. We can be more satisfied about ourselves. And then once we obtain those things, we often just think of, man, I'm still just as unsatisfied as I was before. Then we will, if that doesn't work, what we'll usually do is we will then put it towards the pressure and the expectation on someone else to satisfy us. We'll look to a relationship or a spouse to satisfy ourselves. And what we will sometimes even do, God forbid, that we put this expectation on our children to satisfy ourselves. And what we end up finding out is that when they mess up, when they fail, when they don't meet that expectation that we had upon them, this unrealistic expectation, might I add, what we will end up leaving is empty-handed, unsatisfied, and in fact, we could crush that very relationship that we have with a, a spouse or a child or even a friend or another family member because we put an unrealistic expectation upon somebody. And that is when we still feel unsatisfied. The other thing that we'll end up doing is then we'll then go to the world and say, well, okay, if these people can't give it to me, then maybe the world will give it to me. Maybe if I obtain what they tell me to obtain, a wealth, the power to get promoted into a company, you can become the CEO of a major company and still feel unsatisfied. Because why? Because you're searching in all the wrong places for that satisfaction. You can then end up going to religion, which religion says this, that I do this for God, therefore God owes me a favor in return. That if I do this, this will make me feel better about myself. And in fact, God has a debt that he has to now pay to me. And then you start keeping track. That is what religion is. But then you start to realize it's not going the way you thought it would go. And you still feel unsatisfied. See, the problem is, it's not a change in behavior that you need to have this satisfaction. What you need is a change of heart. The change of heart is what will change the behavior. So many times we look on the, on the outside of things and we say, well, this is the problem, when really it's a matter of a heart issue. This is what it says in Mark chapter 7. If we could put it up on the screen, that would be great. Mark chapter 7 Verses 20 through 23, this is Jesus talking. He's talking about food, if you like food, okay? What the Israelites were dealing with was this idea that what makes me unclean is what I put in my body. And what what Jesus was trying to get them to understand is that they are not spiritually unclean because they ate a particular food. It's because the heart issue was what made them unclean. And so this is how Jesus explains it to them in verse 20. He says, he went on. What comes out of a person is what defiles them. In verse 21, for it is from the heart, or for it is from within, out of a person's heart, the evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, all these different things, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. And finally, he says, all these evils come from inside and defile a person. This is what he's talking about. 
somebody who may feel or you may feel is lazy physically or spiritually, it's not just because they're tired. It's because they probably, more than likely, this is what counselors and pastors have come to conclusion, that majority of the people who have this laziness, physically and spiritually maybe, that what is actually happening is because they have lived in fear of failure. That they can't take that step, they can't be adventurous, because if they do, they will fail, and they don't want to be considered a failure. So what do they do? They stay in place. And then they just are comfortable with who they are. They stop getting uncomfortable. They stop taking a leap of faith, and then all of a sudden, they're bored. All of a sudden, they're bored with life. They're bored with church. They're bored with the Bible. Because why? Because they've stopped taking steps of faith. And if you're not growing, you're dying. There is no middle. So the Bible is teaching us to take a step of faith. Because then when you take a step of faith, it says the spiritual strength will give you physical strength. I promise you that principle works for any part of your life. Spiritual strength will always lead to physical strength. Physical strength will not lead to spiritual strength because it's not you that gives spiritual strength. It's God. And so this morning, if you find yourself in that behavior, it's not a change in behavior that you need. What you need to say is, God, transform my heart. Maybe you're in this place and you have an anger issue. Can I just suggest to you that anger is not necessarily the whole problem. What the main problem is possibly be, the majority of people will say that the majority of the anger problem is because you want to control everything in your life, including the people you deal with. So the anger issue is not just because some kind of situation sets you off. It's because, no, you have a desire to control everything around you. So the issue isn't, you just being angry. The issue is you want to control everything and everyone. You see where Jesus is getting at? See where he says it's not just on the surface what this looks like. It's a heart issue. He says, I need to transform your heart. So when I transform that, then your behavior will come out. The right behavior that you desire and that God desires for a life. If you struggle with depression, it's not because that You have this idea of being sad all the time because of a particular situation. No, the reason why you have this depression is because somewhere along the line, you have failed or somebody you loved has failed you. And you've dwelt in that. And you thought you were something. And and you're not. You thought you were this. And then you're no longer that. So you've lived in a state of failure. And it's coming down on you. Or you've had this expectation for somebody and that person wasn't what you expected. And it's left you questioning. All that, you have all these different questions like, man, who, who, can I, who can I trust? Who can I talk to? Who can I, I, if they can't do it, then nobody can. And that's where the depression sets in. It's more than just you feeling sad. There's a heart issue. There's something at the root of your heart that needs to be transformed to give you that joy again. And so this morning, the reason why we talk about this is that this new status in Christ gives us peace, that God loves people and God loves all people. And he wants us to know that he can give you this peace, but we can't look to ourselves, we can't look to relationships, we can't look to the world, and we can't look to religion to to fulfill that satisfaction. It's about God's peace, because God can only give it. So the question I have for you, And all of us this morning is, are we at peace with God? If you're not at peace with God, the Bible says 
to confess with your mouth he is Lord and believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead and you will be saved. Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10. And now here's what some skeptics will say. Pastor Bobby, you better not preach like that because that's not everything. Listen, can I just tell you this? That I'm going to take the text of the Bible for what it says. That we're not going to put obstacles in people's path to say you have to jump through this hoop, that hoop, and this hoop in order for you to be saved. No, the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10, Paul, so Paul is talking and he's saying, confess and believe. Let's not put obstacles in people's path to tell them this is what they have to do because that is practicing religion. That is not practicing relationship. That's what we're doing. Amen. So the question is, what area in our life do we have to change? Now, understand that when I talk about unsatisfaction, it is not a bad thing for you to wake up in the morning realizing you need something. It's not a bad thing, but where you go with that is up to you. It's a good thing to wake up in the morning and realize you need more of Jesus than you did yesterday. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Don't confuse God's conviction with Satan's condemnation. He will very quickly change that on you. That when you mess up, when you make a mistake, the, the, the thought that comes to your mind is, man, I need, to, I need to go to God about this. I need to get on my knees and I need to pray. I need to open my word, the word of God, and begin to read and just say, God, what are you trying to say to me? And here's what Satan will do. He will quickly turn that on you. He will say, you can't pray to God right now. Do you know what you just did? You can't read your Bible. Because you know what you, know what you just did? Do you think God is happy with you right now? Do you, God needs time to cool off. Come on. I've heard that a time or two. I can't go to God right now because God is angry with me. I've got to be careful. I've got to wait. You know, we treat it like, like we, we treat maybe like our parents sometimes. I can't go to my mom and dad right now because they need time to cool off, you know? All right. And I think it's important to realize how, you see how quickly Satan can just turn God's conviction and he can change that into condemnation. That's what Satan will do to you. And listen, don't believe Satan's condemnation. Because while you're on this earth, God says, you are always going to be in need of me. And I love what Lamentation says in Lamentations chapter 3, where it talks about um, the mercies of God are new every day. His love and compassion is new for us every morning. Do you realize last year, the compassion and love that God had for you is greater today than it was last year? That the mercy of God is greater last, th- today than it was last month for you. That God's mercy and his greatness and his love for you is greater than it was yesterday. And guess what? Today, this mercy and the love and compassion and love for God that he has for you in your life right now, today, is going to be powerful, more powerful next week. Because why? His, new, his mercies are new every day. It's like an iPhone. Have you ever had an iPhone that if you, if you today have an iPhone 3, how many know it's going to be really slow, right? So what do people do? They're constantly updating. We're like on iPhone 50, I feel like, and we're just constantly put, we're Popping them out like popcorn. Here's another one. Here's another one. Here's Why? Because people are, what? It's supply and demand. They want faster. They want quicker. They want access to those things. So what do they do? They change the version to make it better, right? And what does God do? He, he's changing, uh, not necessarily changing, but he's loving us more so that we can constantly be changing, right? So that we are constantly changing our heart, that he's working on our heart. And can I just say to you, don't let Satan condemn you. Because listen, when, if you feel that unsatisfaction in your heart, and God, can I just suggest to you, that's probably God doing spiritual surgery in your heart 
And he's just, he's, he's trying to get you to give your heart that particular area of your life. Maybe it's a relationship with God you need to start. Or maybe it's just a particular situation that you need to give to the Lord and stop going to your own feelings and start believing what God says. Because ultimately what that's going to do is set you free. And God wants to set you all free. And God wants to set us free from all things. And that's just, listen, can I just in one verse that I'm talking about right now? So i got to get going. But verse 2, amen. All right. <clears throat> the second result is this, is that we can have access into this grace. It says, through him we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So let's not fall into the trap of, of receiving grace one particular day, and never needing that grace ever again. Remember, you are in constant need of him every single day, which means if you need him, you need his grace every single day. That's an important principle to remember. So let's not fall into that trap of just needing it once, because then you start living this life of, I'm saved so I can do whatever I want. No, it's, I want to get closer to Jesus, and if I, get, if I am getting closer to Jesus, I realize how much more I need to change, because Jesus is holy, he's perfect, he's pure. And I'm not. And so i got to change. And so that's, a, that's one way to look at it. And the other part of this is this. In the uh, second part of verse 2, that's verse 4, it says, And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character hope. And I love this because what it talks about is what suffering is and what suffering isn't. Rejoice, in other words, and boast is what Paul uses here. You can say rejoice in your suffering. It does not say rejoice evil. Do not rejoice in cancer. Do not rejoice that there is death. Do not rejoice that there is mockery. What does Paul say? He says, in the midst of these things, rejoice. Because we don't, we don't say, God, thank you that you have cancer and given us that. That's not what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, in the midst of that, rejoice because God is working that evil. He's, he's taking it to produce a greater purpose. He's going to bring it to good some way, somehow, some shape and form. That is what God's going to do. He's going to take that evil purpose and change it for his glory. That's what it means to rejoice in our suffering, not to rejoice suffering, but to rejoice in our suffering. That's an important principle for all of us to be remembered. The third principle this morning is this, is that through Jesus can God pour out his love on us. Verses 5 through 8, it says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, just at the, at the right, you see, at just the right time when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, why we're still sinners. Christ died for us. And I love the fact that we don't have to be disappointed in the Lord, that God will never bring us to a place of where we feel disappointed in him, that his principles are, are true and they're going to be accurate and they're 100% right every single time. That when we look to this scripture verse, we can, we can see that what God is trying to do. He's trying to pour out his love on you. And think about this. You're a human being and he's God. Okay, we're got, we've gotten there so far. Now, if he pours out his love on a human being, do you think that human being can contain that amount as a human being? Now, when we pour maybe a glass of juice or a glass of water, how many you know we're going to stop at a certain point because we don't want it to overflow, right? Because we don't want to make a mess. 
When God pours out his love on you, you can't contain that amount. Why? Because he's powerful and you're not. So when he pours it, it's going to overflow. You're going to have a, it's just going to go everywhere, right? And it's going to trickle over into your relationships. It's going to trickle over into other people. They're going to see it. Why? Because you can't contain the amount of blessing that he has for you. He, you can't. Because why? Because his love is so powerful. His love is so amazing to all of us. And lo- I love what it says because this is when I, why I say that. is because it talks about, you know, rarely a person will die for a righteous person. A righteous person is usually somebody we respect. So it's usually somebody older than us. So usually that person will actually die for us. Not necessarily us. Because why? Because we respect the higher person. We respect the one we love or the one we um, re- admire or whatever. So rarely... I will, re- will not die for somebody who is above me, who is a leader for me, who I look up to. Why? Because it's usually the other person that does that. But then Paul will say, now look at this, that it's occasionally a good person will die for somebody or for a good person. And what that's talking about is simply this, that you have maybe a, uh, a soldier who dies for his friends in battle, or you may have a mom who may die for her kids and lay down her life for her kids, right? Because she loves them. Now look at this. This is what, try to wrap your mind around this. Now he said those things, rarely and occasionally. Then it says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Think about that. You weren't good. You most certainly weren't righteous. While we were still sinners, God said, I sent my son to die for you. Wrap your mind around that. Like, that's just, blows you, it blows me away to think, wow, that rarely and occasionally we will do these things. But God says, no, look at my son, what he did for you. He died for you while you were still a sinner. And I pour out my love on you. That is the God we serve. And we're going to watch a, a clip here about a couple in our church, John and Eleanor McAwee. And they're going to basically share with us their story and how God poured out his love on them. So let's take a look. I was raised in a home with five siblings. I would say most of us were dysfunctional because of my dad being an alcoholic and a uh, small-time gangster. And he was very seldom home or he was in jail. So it was, it was, a, rough, it was a rough childhood. I had always been connect, had connections with people that were dishonest, and uh, they were in and out of my house as I was a child, and uh, there was a lot of gambling going on in my house. As I grew older, the same people that I was a young boy with also grew up, and we all grew up as uh, neighborhood uh, gangsters. That went into manhood. I was taught that if you can get away with it, do it. I was selling drugs. I was moving the numbers collecting money. That's all I did, that kind of stuff. On the job, all the time. I could, I could never see a time that I wouldn't drink or I would, I would never take drugs. Every day was a day to get high. When we separated, her and I, one of the, one of the agreements that we had to go back together was that uh, I would back away from racketeering. So I took her with me one day. I had a bag of money and turned it over to uh, my connections. They thought I was having a nervous breakdown. They told me to go to Florida and relax for a couple of weeks. I just backed away. Now that I look back on those things, only the Lord could have done that because nobody bothered me. It was a clean break. I never looked back. I never went back. As he mentioned, we had separated. 
and it was the worst time in my life. He said to me, if you come home, I swear I'll never drink again. I swear to God. I said, John, you told me you don't believe in God, but he believed in some kind of supernatural power. And I can remember praying and saying, God, if you make it right, I'll go to church. And that was my bargaining with the Lord. And he began to work. It was two years. I wanted John to hurt. I was angry and bitter, and I wanted him to hurt like I had been hurt. And he was trying to make everything right, and I was making it so hard on him. I had even thought of suicide. I was just so desperate. For 13 years, I had hoped that things would change and our marriage would be good. And I had run out of hope. I was desperate. And someone invited me to church. And I went, and for the first time, I heard that God loved me and wanted a personal relationship. I knew there was something more, and I needed it because I was dying inside. And I gave my heart to the Lord that night, and He healed me of all the anger and bitterness and hate that I had had. He gave me a new love for my husband and a new beginning, and He gave me hope again. You know, it was such a difference. I was so full of joy and hope again, and John saw that. So he came home from work one night, and he said to me, when are you going to save me? <laughs> and I said, John, I can't save you. And he'd ask me questions about the Bible that I couldn't answer. And I'd say, I don't know, but I'll find out. And so Lord, the Lord was at work. And he saved us both Indeed. in that summer. And then saved 13 people in my family. Fast forward, John was on a missions trip to Ecuador. And the Lord spoke to him. We were up in a, in a little village up in the, the mountains. The church was just a one-room church with one light bulb hanging from the ceiling. I'm looking around, and it, the poverty was, was just terrible. And I, I'm thinking to myself, how can these people know the same Jesus that I know? And when he spoke, it just flowed. It was beautiful. The Lord spoke to me that day. He told me, when you, could, when you go, home, go home, I want you to work with Spanish people. That was the beginning of El Camino. And from the, from the basement... We went to a Sunday school, and then from a Sunday school, we, went, we moved upstairs. Jesus, you know, gave me that hope. He never, he never let go. You know, when, when people said when John was young, there wasn't much hope for him. He was a lost cause. And for our marriage, it looked like it was a lost cause. But God had a plan and a purpose. And called John to full-time ministry with El Camino. It started, like he said, with some men on the job, witnessing on the job, and people got saved. And so the Lord had that plan for us from the very beginning, a plan to give us a hope and a future and a ministry. Amen. From a drug dealer, from an alcoholic, to a full-time pastor. With God, all things are possible. And as long as we have breath in our lungs... He has a plan and a hope and a future for us. We are the McElwees, and this is our story of hope. Awesome. Amen. Amen. Awesome story. And I believe you said you had 13 family members have come to know the Lord around there, somewhere like that, in one year. Wow. In one year, 13 family members came to know the Lord. Can you see when I say God pours out his love on you, he, you can't contain it? Because that just didn't flow into them. It overflowed into their family. It overflowed not just into their family. It overflowed into a ministry they started. And that, that's what El Camino will be doing this afternoon. They'll be here 
having a service because God spoke and God poured out his love on a couple who then it went into a family. Then it went into even more than that. And that is the beauty of how our God works and his love for people and his love for you and for me. Because listen, this is why it's called the good news, because it has to penetrate bad news in order for it to be received as good news. Because good news, that's what the gospel is. It penetrates bad news. It penetrates bad situations. And it brings out good. And it brings out um, it, great news. And that's what is so amazing. Because listen, we all need it. And not, let's, just, let's just be open and honest. Listen, moms and dads, it's great for your kids to be in church. And it's great for maybe your kids to serve the Lord. But can I ask you a question? Are you serving the Lord? Because listen, God wants to pour out his love on you too. Not just your kids. You may be here in a grant, you may be a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle, whatever. You may be excited about certain families serving the Lord, but and seeing the change in their life, but are you serving the Lord? Because God wants to change your life too. Not just for certain select people. It's about everyone. This is for everyone. Because we are sinners saved by God's grace. And listen, when it comes to sin, it's not because what you don't do sinful acts to make yourself a sinner. You are a, sin, you are a sinner, so you do sinful acts. I will say that again. You don't do sinful acts to make yourself a sinner. What Jesus says, what? It's your heart. Out of the heart comes sin. You are a sinner, so you do sinful acts. That is what needs a change in our life, is what we need a heart change. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short. Of the glory of God. It's a very popular verse. Do we understand that this is not something that we are a victim of, but we are a participator in? We are participating in that. It's not Adam and Eve's, it's not just Adam and Eve's fault. It's ours too. We're not a victim of what somebody else decided to do. You make your own choices. God made that very clear. That he said, you have a will to choose. And listen, we can't blame Adam and Eve. We can't blame God. And listen, We can't blame Satan because he provides you with the opportunity. You said yes and responded in sin. God gives you an opportunity to do good, but you have the choice to do good. It's on you. It's not on anybody else. We have to take responsibility for us. Listen, I'm in the same boat that I, I... chose to sin too. Not because, because uh, I can blame somebody else. No, because sin was in my heart. Because I'm a sinner. But because of God's grace, because of his love for us, Scripture says he now calls us a saint. He now calls us a son and daughter in his, in his family. It's the most beautiful thing ever. So the question is, have you given your life to the Lord so that he can pour out his love on you and let it trickle over into the relationships you have currently and will have in the future? The last Last point this morning is this. Only through Jesus can God act for us. In verses 9 through 11, it says this. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more have been reconciled shall we be saved through this life or through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have now received reconciliation. I love this because while, you know, we think about giving our life to the Lord and when you have and when you do, the Bible promises your future, 
This is what's going to happen to your future. You're going to stand before God, and God is going to call out your name, and he's going to look and say, this woman right here, there is no sin in her. He's going to look at you and say, this man right here, there's no sin in that man. Can you imagine the Almighty God saying that to you? And what do we feel? We feel like, man, I don't deserve that because I know I've made mistakes. I know I've messed up. And God looks at you and he says, because of my son Jesus, because you confessed and believed and you walked in this relationship with me, you are now just in my eyes. You are forgiven. You, everything that you've done is forgotten because Jesus is now your righteousness. Therefore, welcome into my kingdom. It's going to be a beautiful thing. All the blasphemy that we've said, that when we chose things of this world over God, when we didn't trust him and we trusted other things, everything that we have done, all the hatred that we may have had towards somebody, all the things we have said or done towards people, God looks at you and calls you saved by his grace. And he says, welcome into my kingdom. Come and enjoy this wonderful place called heaven where we get to be with him forever and ever because it has been removed. The sin has been removed from our very life. It's a beautiful thing. And as we close this morning, it says that one day there is basically what this is talking about in these verses is that there is one day where we do stand before God as you as an individual. You stand before God, but there's also, for the believer, it's going to be a great day. And it's right now, we aren't there yet because we're on this earth, but you don't have to worry about what that day is going to be like. You're just going to rejoice in the Lord because God tells you and promises you what's going to happen. He gives you confidence. But for a non-believer, of course, this will put fear in your heart. Of course, why? Because you're not ready. And you need to be ready. And God says you can be ready. You can be confident and be at peace and know that there is a hope and a future for you that's going to be for all of eternity. But you have to place your faith and trust in him. And he warns us about what will happen to those who don't. It's eternal condemnation. It's eternal hell. And before we go and say, well, that doesn't sound like a loving God, can I just say to you, God actually came and told us what's going to happen. He's laid it out for you in this Bible to tell you exactly what will happen if you don't. It sounds like to me he loves us a lot, that he cared enough to tell you. Be cruel for him not to say a word and say, they're just on their own. But he came to tell you. Because why? Because he loves you. Because he cares about you. And also, there is coming a day where this world comes to an end. This is what the Apostle Paul talks about. There is a judgment day coming to this world where those who are on this earth who are not believers of the Lord Jesus Christ and even those who have been dead and gone, who, have, who are not believers, they will be re- basically, in other words, judged again. In other words, what's going to happen, and if you read this in Revelation and you even read about this in the Gospels, there is going to be terrible times, Jesus said in the last days, where tribulation, there's a year of tri- years of tribulation, there's going to be Horrible things happening because it's coming to an end, this earth. It's coming to an end. It's not here forever. It's coming to an end. And what happens is this. Jesus talks about that, and even the Revelation talks about where we, those who are not believers, they will stand before God, some even, you know, basically again, to make sure these people who did not believe know exactly why they're not in heaven. No one's going to be in hell by mistake, in other words. People who go to hell will know why they're there. People who go to heaven will know why you're in heaven. I think heaven sounds like the better option. How about you? I'm so glad Jesus came and told me and tells us what to do in order for us to be saved because he wants to rescue us and he doesn't want anybody to go to hell. He says he wants all people to be saved. That's why he came in the first place. 
And the reason why you find yourself in this room this morning, and you may be, you know, I love what the Apostle Paul says. It says that just the right time, Christ came to die on this earth. Jesus died on this earth long, long time ago, but its promise still is true to this day. That you maybe wish you were during that time so you could see Jesus, to see whether or not he's actually real. But can I just say to you that at just the right time, God placed you in this room in 2017. See, God is never early. He's never late. He's always on time. And he puts you in this room for a specific reason for this day so that you, and the pastor said this earlier, today is the day of salvation. Because if you continuously put it off, you know what's going to happen? The Bible even talks about your heart is going to get harder and harder and harder. Why? Because you continuously hear the same message. How many know if your parents start telling you the same sets of rules over and over and over, how many know you're going to start to tune them out, right? You're just going to, you're going to tune them out, right? Because you've heard it before. You're like, oh, I know, I know. You know, and then you just stop listening. Can I just say to you, that's the same thing with me continuously or Pastor Paul or whoever presents you the gospel over and over and over. Eventually you're going to go, oh, I know. Yeah, I know what you told me to do. I know I have to give my life to the Lord. And listen, you're probably not going to do it because you keep putting it off. And your heart, the Bible says, becomes calloused. And you stop. And you don't even, that day never comes for you. Can I just say to you, while the Lord is working on your heart right now, respond while, it, while you still can't. That is my prayer that you will this morning. And it's a great, wonderful feeling. Maybe you're here this morning and there is certain things in your life that you need to change. And the Lord is revealing to you right now that it's not necessarily a behavior that needs to change. It's a change of heart. and something in your life that God is wanting to change. Let him act for you. Let him do what he said he would do. Let him, let him set you free. Let him do what he wants to do in your life. Just be open to it. Don't look to the world. Don't look to religion. Don't look to yourself. Don't look to friends or family to do this for you, to change you. Listen, look to God's word. Let him change your heart and then watch it unfold his plan. And it's a beautiful plan. Amen? Amen. Let's close with a word of prayer and bow your heads with me. If you're here this morning and uh, you've heard this message and you feel God tugging on your heart to give give your life to uh, to, to the Lord this morning, If you want to do that, I want to give you a chance right now. Listen, I'm not going to put obstacles in your path because the Bible wants wants you to know that what you need to do is confess and believe in your heart. You need to make that statement. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to confess with your mouth that He is Lord and that you're a sinner and that you need His saving grace. I needed it. Everyone in this room needs it. There's no one exempt from this. No person on this planet that is exempt from that. And if you're here this morning and you would want to do that, I just want to see if there's anybody here so I can pray for you. I'm not going to call you out by name. I just want to know if there's anyone here. You feel the Lord saying, do it now while you still can. I hope and pray. And church, the rest of us, let's begin to pray that people will do that this morning. That people would have the courage that he wants to save you. He wants to rescue you. If you're here this morning, you want to do that, just I want you, with no one looking around, I just want you to slip up your hand. I'm the only one looking. I want to know if anyone's doing that here this morning. Keep your hand up if you would, please. Give you a couple more moments. If you're here this morning, please don't let, don't let this moment pass. Don't let this moment pass from you. Give it an opportunity. Give God an opportunity to show you and pour out his love on you. Amen. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray. And this morning, if you're here, I'm just going to ask you to do this right now if you can. It's okay. I'll... You have my permission to do this right now. I want you to take out your connect card. If you raise your hand, 
I want you to put your name on that card, and I want you to mark on the back of that bo- uh, back of that card. It says, "Today I received the Lord Jesus Christ." Listen, this isn't something to be embarrassed about or ashamed about. This is something that God says there is a party in heaven in your honor because of what you just did, and we want to celebrate with you also. This church wants to applaud you. This this church wants to thank you for responding to the Lord because they know how important this is. If you're here this morning, I just simply want you to do that today and just say, you know what, today I'm going to mark that on the card because the church is here to help you. The church is here to minister to you. And we hope you would do that this morning. And the rest of us, church, we're just going to pray and then uh, we'll have further direction. Heavenly Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I thank you for the lives that are changed in this moment, Lord. Lord, who have said yes to you right now. Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we go from this place today. Lord, for those that need a change of heart in certain situations that are going on. Lord, whatever issues, struggles that are going on. God, I pray that they would just ask you to transform their heart in whatever way that you see fit. Lord, and we thank you that you're the only one who can transform their heart. And Lord, we believe in faith that you're going to pour out your love on them and it's going to trickle over into the relationships and to the family around them and the people they will meet in the future. Because God, that's how big and amazing your love is. Lord, we thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with